The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing nigh. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the dominion of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. And that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. What will become of us? How will our future unfold? And what about your future? Are you on tiptoes? You just can't wait? Or are you freaking out and filled with fear? Maybe it's proportional to how much we read the news these days. What will become of us? We may wonder or worry about love and work and money. Will we be alone? Will we have enough to live on and then enough for retirement? Will we have the inner resources to face life's trials? Will we face addiction or depression? And what about those we love? How will life work out for them? What will become of us? Scientists are beginning to realize that what sets us apart from other animals is that we contemplate the future. This foresight created civilization and propels society forward. Our future-mindedness is usually energizing, maybe exciting, but it is also the source of depression and anxiety whether pondering our own lives, our own futures, or that of our country and the world. Now, while other animals have springtime rituals to educate their young, 
we subject our own to commencement speeches that declare today is the first day of the rest of your lives. Researchers used to think that our hang-ups were about unresolved issues from our past. But now these researchers are realizing that looking into the future, consciously or unconsciously, is a key function of our oversized brain. What will become of us? Our spiritual ancestors had this on their mind. So many scripture passages begin with, the days are surely coming, or in those days. When life is hard, you want to believe that good times are on the way, that things are going to get better. So the prophet Jeremiah anticipates a future when God's promises will be fulfilled. A righteous branch will spring up and the Lord will establish justice in the land. Jesus' words about the end of the world can awaken fear about the future or, or they can be a picture of a world always on the brink of war or disaster. Signs in the sun and the moon, distress about what is coming on the world and words that to me sound eerie in this time of climate change, the roaring of the sea and the waves. There's always disaster in the news. A mass shooting, a hurricane, a forest fire. It's surprising there's not a cable disaster channel. Students around the country now are beginning to realize that shootings could happen anywhere even in their school. After the Tree of Life synagogue shooting, someone asked me if we have a disaster plan for Holy Trinity. What will become of us? One of my favorite Advent hymns includes the phrase, shine your future, shine your future on this place. But is there hope for the future? Our faith says yes. And we so want that faith to rub off on us. But some grandparents this past week told me they worry about the future of the planet for their young grandchildren. There was news this week that life expectancy is decreasing in this country due to death by opioids and suicides. And though we're living through the second longest economic recovery in our country's history, according to a recent well-being index, the majority of us are not happy. Instead, our country is in a social crisis. More and more people lack a sense of purpose, connection to community. What will become of us? Sometimes it's easier to just change the subject, to eat a carton of ice cream, to binge watch a Netflix show. Last summer, I read a great novel called The Immortalist. In 1969, four children are living on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. 
and they go to a psychic who tells them one by one as they enter her room the day they will die. What will become of us is the question they live with and the plot of the novel. The oldest sibling is the one who lives the longest. She's the one with plenty of issues. Not that we don't have our own, right? Late in the story, she wishes that she had paid more attention to the small things in life. She comes to realize that her deepest desire is not to live forever, but to stop worrying. The novel causes us to wonder, is living a longer life necessarily a better one? What will become of us? This mantra, this phrase you're hearing in my sermon, I got the inspiration from a New York Times Magazine issue a couple weeks ago. What will become of us? With the subtitle, How Technology is Changing, What It Means to Be Human, each article peered into the future in a slightly different way. One about artificial intelligence, one about how proteins in our body are now being used to predict future diseases. And then, this recent scientific discovery that our brains are incredibly active when we're doing nothing. And I don't mean when we're sleeping, I mean when we're doing nothing. The point is if we never unplug, our minds never have the possibility to wander. The author says, the studies say, the researchers say, we need this time travel in our brains to imagine the future in creative ways. The brain needs this deep learning to integrate our past experiences, our emotional contours, while imagining future prospects. You could say that Advent is a dose of this learning how to wait. As we worry, don't we worry about what will become of us? There is compassion in Jesus' voice as he adds, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. Be alert, be watchful, pay attention to what is most important. And since you're not going to live forever, Make each day count, beginning today. Advent is that unique spiritual season in which we connect with God's dream for the future, for our future, through the words of the prophets, through the liturgy, and especially at the Eucharist. We taste already God's promises for what is yet to be. Here amid our Advent waiting, here, now, amid our Advent waiting, God's future breaks in, calms our hearts, centers us in grace, 
assures us that we are okay, that we are enough, that we will have what we need to face whatever tomorrow brings. In the midst of our future phobias, open your eyes. There are signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. The days are getting shorter. There are winter landscapes. There are bare branches. Nature is calling us to go inward and to gently hold our common mortality, our common vulnerability. What will become of us? Heaven and earth will pass away. Yet there will always be holy surprises. Raise your heads, we hear. Your redemption is drawing nigh. God will be faithful. And the future is now. Christ is coming. Christ is here. <laughs>